Good morning, Bethesda. It's good to be with you this morning. The Lord is in this place, and that's what can make us feel right at home, right? Let's just have a word of prayer before we turn to his word. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that you are here with us today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've already done. We thank you, Lord, for the music, the worship. But now, Lord, we're going to turn to your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll give your servant this morning. You've given me strength to conceive this word. I pray you ask, and I ask for the strength to deliver it that your name will be honored and glorified. And we pray these things in the precious name of? Amen. That's a great name, isn't it? It's so so good to be with you this morning. The messages I want to share with you this morning is something that the Lord dropped in my heart. And by the way, I want to say thank you for all your prayers for my husband. He was going to come this morning, but then at the last minute, he just felt a little bit woozy. So we decided he'd be better off in his chair at home. So that's where he's at, and I know that he'll be watching all of us today. But anyway, I've said all that. While he was in hospital, the Lord dropped uh, a little message into my heart, and I thought, well, that's nice. (laughs) And then he kind of enlarged it, and when Dan asked me to share, I thought, well, maybe this is what the Lord wants me to share this morning. So I'm just praying for the Lord to bless the word and to our hearts, right, and glorify his name. Um, What I want to share today is about two people, one in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant and the other one in the New Testament, Uh, but two people that are so, so very different from the other. They seemingly have nothing in common. In fact, the only thing I can see in common with these two people is that they they are both women. Uh, Secondly, they live in desert regions, and they both of them know the value and the preciousness of water. Other than that, there's very little that they would have in common. So the first woman that I want to share with you is found in Joshua chapter 15, if you'd like to turn there, if you have your Bibles, and it's from verses 16 to 19. And so I'm going to read those verses to you this morning before we just jump in. And it reads like this, a very common passage. You all know the story. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kirjath-Sepha and takes it, to him I will give Ashtar, my daughter, as wife. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, he took it and he gave him Ashtar, his wife, his daughter, as wife. Now it was so when she came to him that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she dismounted from her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you wish? And she answered, give me a blessing since you have given me land in the south. Give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Is that just like a dad? I love this passage. To me, it's one of the most delightful passages of Scripture that we have. We look at this and we see that we have Caleb here, and he's a father. He's a great man, a man of courage, a man of character, and I believe he's a good dad. And uh, we see with Joshua here that uh, he, um, he's saying to somebody, whoever going to take this mountain, and it's interesting he asks for a man for his daughter that took a mountain, because wasn't that the history of, uh, of Caleb? He took a mountain. He was the one that went to Joshua, and he said to Joshua, give me this mountain. Joshua said, take it. And he did. And so we have this great man of courage. 
And so we see this father now, he wants a husband for his wife, and he's going to get somebody that's like him. Dads are like that. They, they think their daughter's got to marry somebody like them. And, uh, but anyway, here we find uh, him looking for a son-in-law, and he decided he's got to prove himself first, and so a wise father. So Caleb, this man of character and courage, uh, he's given um, this man, he's found this man who's taken a mountain like he did to be the husband of his daughter. And so we'll find that uh, when he does this and he sends her away to be with him, something happened. And uh, when she got away, she found she'd been given a wedding present. Well, we all loved our wedding presents, didn't we? And Dad gave her a wonderful, he gave her a plot of land. The problem was with this plot of land that it was in the desert and there was no water, which meant to say it was completely useless. Have you ever had a useless gift? <laughs> Well, they've got a useless gift. It's, it's wonderful. Well, yes, Dad's given us this wonderful plot of land. There's nothing we can do with it. What's going to grow in it? We can't. It's in the desert. There's no water. So she talks to her husband, and she decided she needs to go back to her dad and talk to him about this. And that's the right thing to do, isn't it? Isn't that what our Heavenly Father says to us? If we have a need, you have not before you ask not. And so we go to the Father. So we see how she's going to come to her father about this request. Now, I want us to see this because there's a lot of things we can find out about how she came to her father. We can learn how we need to come to our father, our heavenly father also. So the first thing she does, she gets on the donkey. But when she see her dad, what does she do? She gets off a donkey. She dismounts and she humbles herself before the father before she makes her request. She humbles herself. And so she dismounts by showing respect and humility. But also then we find that she makes her request known to the father. She just doesn't go, you know, sometimes we can come to make requests and we go here, there, and everywhere instead of focusing on what our need happens to be. But she makes her request very plainly before the father. So she's come to the father and she dismounts showing requests. She makes her request. And then we find that her father gives her not just one spring, but he gives her two springs. In other words, she has a double portion. I like that idea, don't you? But it's a very spiritual idea also, because we find that we can learn something in this, in regards to our lives. A lot of people say they don't know how to pray. Well, here's the passage that'll help you how to pray. When you come to the Lord, the first thing we have to do is to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. We get off our high horse. We come down. We humble ourselves. And that's what she did. And if you want the Lord to hear your cry this morning, if you want the Lord to hear your prayer, then it's worth realizing that we just don't come with arrogance and pride, but we come off our high horses and we humble ourselves before the Lord. Another principle that we'll find in here is not just the fact of humility, but that we're also told in the Word that we have not because we ask not. She could have gone home and said and sulked about it. Well, I guess we got this plot of land and just kept talking about it 
shouted to everybody else when she needed to go back to her father. And church, there's sometimes we are like that. We know that we have requests. We want the Lord to answer. But we'll talk about it to anybody and everybody. If we don't go to the Father, it's no point talking to anybody else because he's the one that supplies our needs. And so we remember that we go to the Father with our needs. We humble ourselves before him and we make our requests known. I hear a lot of people say, oh, but he knows. Yes, but he wants you to tell him. If you're a father or a mother this morning, you know what it's like when your child comes to you to talk to you and inform you. You might already know what they're going to tell you, but you want them to be able to tell you themselves. Isn't that true? And God is our Father. And I wonder today if he's waiting for some of us. I wonder when they're going to talk to me about it. They've talked to everybody else. And so here she is. She's doing the right thing. She humbles herself. And we realize that we have not because we ask not. And so don't complain if you haven't asked the Lord about it. The third thing in our prayer life is this. We have to make our petitions known to the Father. Let him know what it is and what you want. And last but not least, we recognize that he is the one who supplies the need. It's God, the Father, who supplies our need. I can get it from somebody else, and I'm thankful for that, but it's the Lord the, uh, that initiates it. He's the one that supplies our needs. And last not, but not least, the thing that I see here about Asha is this. It said, she said, give me also springs of water. And what did her father do? So he gave her the upper springs and he gave her the lower springs. In other words, she has a double portion. Isn't that like our God? giving us a double portion. And so we have some principles here about how to come to the Lord. Now then, having looked at this, the most important thing I want you to keep in mind is this. The thing that she came to the Father for was this. She had a property that was useless. The only way it could be made profitable was to have a spring. When she came to the Father, she just didn't ask for a spring. If you notice, it's in the plural. Give me springs. And what did her father do? He gave her the upper and the lower. He gave her not just one, but he gave her two because that's the father's heart. And when we come to the Lord this morning, we can feel dry. We can feel as if we've lost out. We can feel all kinds of things. But when we come to him, say, oh, Lord, I, I don't know about you, but I need a spring today. Anybody here feel you need a spring today? Feel you've been unproductive? Feel that the enemy has come in? Feel that all kinds of things? And there's that thirsting in our heart. Lord Jesus, give me a spring. Let's say that together. Lord Jesus, give me a spring. And and notice it's in the plural, give us springs. Because you know, the God, when he knows we want to be profitable, you say, well, God doesn't, didn't do that for me. Maybe it wasn't a good idea or what you were asking. But when the Lord knows you're asking because you want to be honorable and because you want to be fruitful, God will bless you. He's not going to bless you to do something for your own gain. But if you're going to do something to be fruitful in the kingdom, God is always with us. He's always blessings. And this is the picture that we have of the father right here to his daughter. Now that's the first passage of scripture about giving us a spring. And so that's the first person. Now the second scripture I want you to turn with me is in John. 
in the New Testament is John chapter 4, and we turn to the second person that we're going to talk. And as I said before, these, people, these two women have absolutely nothing in common. They are so different. As I said, it's only those uh, three things that I mentioned in the introduction. But as we turn to John, and I'll just read those verses, and then we will put, try and put this together, all right? <laughs> Hope it's not falling apart. We're trying to put it together. Okay, so let's look at this from... Um, Verses, uh, where are we? A woman of Samaria, that's it. Uh, Verses 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. That's what we're going to look at. Now, first of all, we've looked at these two women and realized that they have absolutely nothing in common except they're women, they live in a desert area, there's very little in common. But as we come to the end of the story, we'll find there's one more thing that they would have. But they're both, the, the thing is about these women, they are both asking for springs. They are both, you know, I believe God loves it when we come and ask and make requests for things that will bless us. And this is what's happening here. They're both asking for springs. But first of all, we talked about the, the, how, you know, little they have in common. I want us to look and see how different they are before we go on. When we look at Asha, we find out she belongs to a covenant people. She's part of that group that's been brought out of slavery, part of those in the desert that God has given his commandments to and given them all these kind of things. They are God's special people. They are God's chosen people. And she belongs to a covenant people belonging to God. We look at the Samaritan woman and we find, oh my word, how different. They're no covenant people. In fact, they kind of intermarried and interraced and they become a despised people to everybody, especially to the Jews. You know what they said? Well, you know, the Jews, they have no dealings with the Samaritans. So how different can that be? A covenant person, and then we have this Samaritan who's been avoided, who's despised, and who uh, the Jewish people have nothing to do with them. 
But then we find, as we look at Ashta, that she belongs to a very close-knit family. She also obviously has a loving dad, and she's locked in to a good family. You know, if you belong to a good, godly family, we've got a, we can say we are blessed, can't we? I'm so thankful for the family of God. And I want to say to you today, if you don't know what it is to have a Christian family at home, well, this is your family here, okay? God wants to link us together. But you see, there was none of that for the Samaritan woman. There's no mention of family in her life at all. When we look back at Asha, we'll see she's been given a name, Asha. What do we call the woman of Samaria? The woman of Samaria. We have no idea who her name is, so there's no name. We look at Ashtar and see that she was a beautiful bride. At least I believe there's any such anything as not a beautiful bride. And so she's been a bride. She's been given to this, this wonderful husband who has the same characteristics as her dad. <laughs> Courage and all the rest. He had a fight for her, right? And uh, so, you know, he was carefully chosen by her dad. And so she belongs. She's connected. But we look at the Samaritan. She's no bride. <laughs> She's no bride. She has no husband, except that she's probably had five or six. But we won't go into all of that. I just want to show the differences between these two women. We look at Ashta and we see she's connected to family. She's connected to people. This Samaritan seemingly has no connections at all. We find that as far as Ashta is concerned, well, she's been respected and she's been loved. Isn't that what all of us want? We would like respect and we would love from some people. Well, it wasn't there. And we look at the Samaritan and we see she's been rejected. She's anything but loved. She's been thrown out how many times? We look at Ashta, she's seen she's been embraced by family, by husband. But what happened to the Samaritan woman? She's been abandoned. Five or six times. Now, before we go further than this, we need to understand a woman couldn't get a divorce in those days. There was no rights for her. It was only a husband that could get a divorce. So if she's been divorced five or six times, it's because she's had six husbands, five or six husbands, and each one had thrown her over the cliff. And so she's out there on her own. Oh, they can all, you know, you can always find a reason to do for whatever you want to do. And this is what had happened to her. She had been caught in all of this. We have no idea. We're not told about it. But we know she's been rejected all of those times. Whereas Ashta was respected and loved, she's rejected on her own. Ashta, she's been embraced by everybody. And we look at this woman that's come to the well, and she's absolutely abandoned. What a, you know, what a tragedy. We see... Last thing about Ashta, she belongs, she's blessed, she's bold. You know, women can be bold when they know they belong somewhere and that we're blessed, right? Well, I don't mean bold in a rash sense, but in a good sense of having confidence. Your confidence because of who you know and because the way you've, the things that's been instilled in you, the way that you've been raised. Thank God if you've got a, guy, a good dad and a good mom. We need to thank God for all of those things. We have no idea about this woman at the well. All we know about her, that she's been abandoned, she's bruised, She's been betrayed, she's bitter, and she's broken. What a contrast between two women, except they're both seeking the same thing. And, you know, we find this in life, don't we? It doesn't matter whose paths we cross. We're all more or less seeking the same things, and only Jesus can give us what we really need. Is that the truth? Okay, so as we look at this now, 
let's look at the challenge by Jesus. Because when we come into this narrative that we've just read, we find that Jesus, and we're told he needed to go through Samaria. Really? <laughs> Who would go through Samaria? That wasn't the way people went. He's on his way from Jerusalem. He's going on up to the Galilee area with his disciples. They usually took the long road around because nobody wanted to go through Samaria because they had no dealings with the Samaritans, except Jesus. Have you noticed Jesus is different? <laughs> He's always going to do it, not my way. He's going to do it his way. I'm sure that the disciples would have brought up the question a few times, well, you know, you should sure you want to go this way? Yes. And when he gets Samaria, you know what he does, does, don't you? The challenge of Jesus here with this woman, he sends them away. You, you guys, all 12 of you, it didn't take 12 to buy bread to bring back, but Jesus sent them all away. He decided he was going to meet this woman one-on-one. -on -one. Could you imagine if the disciples were there? They'd all have an opinion, right? They'd all suddenly become counselors. It would be, and I'm sure Peter would have had something to say. And so Jesus said, look, I think I can manage this one without you guys. You go, go get some lunch and leave me there. And so he is sitting on this well. You know, Jesus got this thing all set up. I want you to know Jesus knows what he's doing. There are times in my life I'm a little clueless. <laughs> But Jesus isn't. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's got this whole thing planned. He had prepared for this moment. And even as he prepared for that moment of that Samaritan, he's prepared for you too. Don't think you can run and hide. He'll find you. He's good at it. And so here he is. He's sitting at a well. It says he's tired and he's weary. Well, you can understand that. It would have been nice uh, if, if somebody could have given him a drink of water. We're not sure if he ever got the water, but we won't talk about that today. But he's expecting and he's looking. And, and the disciples have gone away, so it's just him. Now, notice some things here. When Ashsa... When she came to, she came to her dad. She wasn't afraid to approach her father. That was easy. She came to her dad. This woman, this Samaritan, she didn't come to Jesus. Jesus is coming to her. He sat there and he's waiting for her. Oh, church, hear me this morning because you might be one of these people like this woman right here who feels rejected, who feels dejected, who feels absolute mess in life and such a problem going on. I want you to know that you might not come to him, but he will come to you. How many times in your life Jesus has come to you, the Lord has come to you, unexpectedly, at the most, sometimes inconvenient times, right? But he will come. He wants to let you know he's there for you. You might not always have been there for him, but Jesus is there. He's sitting on this well. He's waiting on her, and he's ready for her. And that is so like Jesus, isn't it? And so we see the challenge. Jesus is ready. He uh, sent his disciples away. The woman arrived. She's alone, and unwittingly, unknowingly, she's coming to the Son. Asha, come to the Father. She is coming to, this is just a play on words, it's okay, it's the Mary Evans thing, but she is coming, <laughs> she is coming to the Son. Jesus is sat there waiting on her. Oh, I'm so glad. Can you imagine? I hate to wait on people, but Jesus doesn't. Have you, have you noticed that? Uh, if I say a certain time, I expect them to be there at a certain time, and if five minutes go by, I can be pacing. 
I like, you know, I, I like to be on time. But, you know, here is she comes and Jesus is waiting for her. He doesn't mind waiting on you. He will wait for you. And so this is where we find the Lord. And you find coming to the Son can change everything. Get that, Bethesda. Coming to the sun will change everything. Things are different now, right? Something happened to me. What? When we gave our life to Jesus. And he's sitting there, he's waiting, and she's totally unprepared. Have you ever been unprepared for a moment and an encounter? There's lots of times in my life that I've been unprepared. Oh, my word, I didn't know this was going on. Nobody told me. And we kind of... She is totally unprepared for this moment. She's shocked. Who would, who would expect to see anybody? This is the time of day, at the heat of the day when nobody comes. That's why she comes, to avoid people, and there he's sitting. I mean, how frustrating is that? And so here we have this woman. She's alone, and she, she's coming to the sun. She doesn't know it yet, but it's going to change everything. She's caught underwears, totally unprepared for this moment and this encounter. In other words, what my husband would say is this. She, what the Lord has done, he set the stage for a divine intervention, or he set the stage for a miracle, because, you know, that's what Jesus does. He sets us up. You know, he sets you up and you don't know it because he's not just ahead of you, but he knows things that you are not aware of yet. He knows all things. And it's amazing, isn't it, what Jesus does and how he works. Anyway, I want to go from the challenge of Jesus, but notice the first thing in verse 7. Jesus is the first to speak. He takes the initiative. When Ashtar came to her dad, she's the first to speak. Hi, dad. I'm here because I got this request. You know that land you give me? Well, it's just not working. I need water for it and blah, 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 blah. And of course, dad took care of the need. But we have a reverse here. She's not going to speak because after all, Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. And sure, she would be very shocked that Jesus would even speak to her. But Jesus is the first to speak. Jesus is the one that's going to take the initiative. He always does. He's a step ahead of you. You might not have known that, but he is. Jesus is always a step ahead. And so he's sitting there unexpected, and he takes the initiative. He is the one that initiates the conversation at the well. She wouldn't have. And the first thing he said is, give me to drink. Well, he is thirsty. He's been on a dry and a dusty road. He's ready for somebody to give him a drink. He sent his disciples away. But she is so surprised and suspicious, she forgets about giving him his need and what he needs at that particular time. Little did she know what the Lord, that the Lord was waiting for her. She had no idea this was a setup and she was walking right into it. I want you to know that Jesus does that to us. We think we can avoid things. We think we can get out of things only to find, uh-oh, there he is. <laughs> because that's Jesus. He pursues us. He loves us. He wouldn't have died for us if he didn't love us. And he's the one that pursues us by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so 
Jesus is there, give me to, bread, to drink, he says. And what happens? Well, she's, first of all, she becomes very suspicious. You can understand that. And she's surprised. And what little did she know that he was waiting for her. I think she'd have run away if he'd known that, right? But he's waiting on her. It's just as Jesus planned. And you know, things happen in our lives and we want, how on earth did this happen? Well, it's the plan of the Lord. Some things, you know, are unexplainable. How did I get here? It was him. Jesus is in control when we feel everything is out of control. He is in control. And I don't know about you, I want him to be in control of my life also. And so here he comes. She's suspicious. She has no idea that he was waiting for her. But look at the divine interruption. And we'll go from the challenge and look at the, what a conversation. Uh, I love this conversation. But here it goes. First of all, it takes place. We have the giver of all things, Jesus Christ. He's requesting of her to fulfill a basic need. Give me water. That's all he's asking for. She is the one that gives. He is the one that gives. He is the one that holds everything in his hand. And he's asking for something basic. Give me water. And we never know if he received that water, and I suppose that's not important at this moment. But verse 9, she's, he's asking for this basic need of water, and her first reaction is one of prejudice. Verse 9, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? I'm a Samaritan woman. This, this isn't supposed to be. Because the Jews have no dealing. So the first thing she does is to give him a little lecture about what he's supposed to know. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Well, I think that would have been pretty obvious, don't you? But he's, she's got to point it out just in case Jesus had missed it. I want you to know Jesus didn't miss anything. He knows exactly what he's doing. But this wasn't kosher as far as she's concerned. And he's kosher. And so instead of giving Jesus a drink, she's getting all this kind of thing. And what she does, she ends up giving him information. Have you ever been there? I know every parent has it as a teenager. You ask them for something or you ask them about something and you get a stack of information that's not important at all. Have you ever... No, I need to talk to you about this. And then you get a lot of information. Information that has nothing to do with what's going on or what you want to know, right? But that's what this woman is doing. The Lord's just asked her for a drink and she's given her a pile of information just in case Jesus didn't know. Well, she doesn't know who she's talking to, does she? He said, how is it you being a Jew? He knew he was a Jew. Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan. He knew she was a Samaritan. Jews have no dealing with a Samaritan. He knew all of that. And so here she is, though, just trying to explain these things to him. And we've all done that, haven't we? When we've been challenged by the Lord. Have you ever just told the Lord a lot of information to try to get him off your back because he's trying to lead you or guide you into another direction? Well, we won't go there, okay. But a lot of it. But look at the response of Jesus. Note, he raises the bar. He's not sat there to talk about what a lovely day it is and about the information about the well and the information about history and the information about prophets. She's a very knowledgeable woman, by the way. She can talk about all these things, but that's not why Jesus is there. Have you ever tried to tell Jesus about all kinds of things when he's trying to get something else out of you? 
And this is what we have, the response of Jesus. He wants to raise the bar. Jesus is there because he's there to address issues with her pertaining to her need. He loves her. He knows what she's gone through. In fact, he tells her her history, which is a shock to her. But instead of giving Jesus drink, she gives him all this explaining and stuff. But the response of Jesus as he tries to raise the bar to address the issues of her need. Note what he said. If you knew, he's trying to engage her in conversation and she's completely baffled. Have you ever been baffled by conversation? If you sit down with a mathematician sometimes, which has happened to be my husband, he baffles me many times. (laughs) Do we have to go there? Anyway, what I'm saying here, that she she is so baffled by what's going on and the response of Jesus. But what he's trying to do is to raise the bar. You see, he's not there just to have a conversation. He wants to minister to this woman. And I want to tell you today, if you're here this morning, we are not just here to have a conversation with you as much as we like conversations, to talk about history, to talk about wells, or whatever whatever we want to talk. We are here to today to put our focus on Jesus and to let Jesus tell us what he wants to say. It's not important what I have to say, but what would Jesus say to us today? This is the important thing. And so we see the response of uh, of Jesus to hers. He raises the bar. If you knew, and she is baffled, her perspective is human. Her perspective is earthly. It's like us. We only see on the horizontal level. We see things going around. Jesus sees vertical. He wants her to look up. Get your eyes off the ground. Human beings, we are horizontal. We see what's going on around us. We see what's down there. And Jesus is saying, lift up your eyes. He wants us to see vertical. He wants to bring us out of our mud, out of our messes, or wherever we're in. And so she's looking on this horizontal plane, and she reacts, and she says to Jesus this. This to me is hilarious. You have nothing. Have you ever told the Lord he has nothing? You have nothing. That just goes to show that she hasn't got a clue what's going on and how horizontal she is. When we say things like this, it means to say we are down there. But the Lord is trying to raise the bar because he wants to lift us up. He wants to bring us up. He wants us to uh, make us into new creatures. And so here we are. She's having this conversation. Her perspective is human. Little did she know, you have nothing. What a thing to say to Jesus, right? But she's rationalizing. And when we rationalize, we miss it. We miss it. We need to put on our spiritual eyes to see spiritual things. Jesus is speaking in the vertical terms. He wants to bring her up to higher ground. But at this moment, she's not grasped it. Have you ever been there? Come on, we have all sometimes been a little bewildered. Well, I just don't understand that. Pray about it. I just don't understand it. Talk to Jesus. I just don't understand this. Well, just get into the Word. Well, I don't understand that. Well, seek His face. You know, this is how we're going to get understanding, by seeking the Father and seeking after Jesus. And so, note her questions that she's asked. First thing she asks is, letting Jesus know, you are a Jew, just in case he didn't know. You are a Jew. You're asking me a Samaritan. The second thing she asks is, 
Where do you get living water? And this is amazing because, you see, when they are sitting by the well, she's talking about the hole in the ground. She's talking about that shaft that goes down. Jacob's well, Grace History. Many of you have been there and seen that well even today. It still provides water. And so that's the well. But Jesus is not talking about a well. When you look in the Greek for the word that Jesus used, it's fountain. It's a spring. And when he's talking to her, he couldn't care less about that hole in the ground. He wants her to have something that's lively, that's springing up, a fountain, living waters. And this is what Jesus wants to provide for us. He doesn't give us holes in the ground. He gives us that which is life-giving, which comes from a spring. And so where do you get living water, she wants to know. And, and then the last thing, are you greater than Father Jacob? Human logic, horizontal reasoning. Lift up our eyes this morning and see Jesus. Lift up our eyes. You know, when we're going through trials and different things, it's easy to see the ground, isn't it? And the Lord is saying, lift up your heads. Look at me. See me. I'm the one that's going to deliver you. I'm the one that's going to leave you. I'm, going to, I'm the one that's going to guide you. I'm the one that will make the difference in your life. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Right now, her eyes is on the well. And then suddenly Jesus is letting him know that he is the fountain. He is the spring. He is the life. And she's looking at it and she hasn't recognized him yet. Give it time. It'll happen. Suspicious. Little did she know what was there. But this conversation takes place. They give her all things, asking for the basic things. And give Jesus a drink. And all she does is give him information. But the response of Jesus was to raise the bar. Her perspective is human and earthly. And like us, we see on the horizontal plane. But she's rationalizing. And Jesus wants to give her a revelation. Have you ever been there? You've been rationalizing. And Jesus wants to give you a new revelation. He wants you to see something. He wants you to catch it. Jesus is speaking. He wants to bring her up onto higher ground. He understands what she's going through and he wants the light to start shining in her life and things can turn around for her but at this moment she's not seeing it I think we're all there so we see these things the question she asked you're a Jew where do you get living water are you greater than our father Jacob it's all human logic but look at the response of Jesus as he's going to lift her up to the vertical his desire was to her to lift up her eyes. Church this morning, lift up your eyes. Get your eyes off what's down there and start looking up and see Jesus. And so his desire was for her to see upward, a new dimension. This woman who was a Samaritan, who was suspicious, also surprised, we find that she can relate to a well, the hole in the ground. But Jesus is not talking to her about that well. He's talking about a fountain. He's talking about a spring. In John chapter 7, verses 37 and 39, Jesus says these words. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow. What? River, is that a well? No, living waters. It's alive, it's living, it's lively, it's fresh. And so Jesus says, this is what's flowing out, a fountain. It's not natural. 
it's supernatural, but the flow of rivers, the flow of living water. And as he's there talking to her about wanting to give her this, she asks for the same thing that Ashtar had asked. She came to the father and she said, give me springs, give me springs. And we find that she's saying to Jesus, give me this water, give me this water. I hope that's the cry of all of us today because Jesus desires to give us the water. He's come to us. He wants to flow out on us. He wants us to get into that fountain that he has, that he has for us. And so this is the desire of the Lord's heart. And so we find, she says, give me this water, give me this spring. Jesus has dealt with her issues and she receives that spring and she's absolutely changed. How do I know? Have you read the rest of the story? The first thing we find about her is that Jesus reveals himself to her. Isn't it amazing who Jesus reveals himself to? Why didn't he reveal himself to some saint or other? But the woman of Samaria, he reveals, I am. She said, oh, I, I know there's, there's a Messiah that's going to come. And Jesus looks at her and said, I am he. What a moment. But she believed it. She believed it. She got her spring. And as she realized that Jesus was that spring, that fountain of living water, she received it and she accepted it for who we I wonder how many people Jesus could have said to at that time and they would have embraced him. But she did. She knew that what he said was true. He reveals himself to her, not as a man, but as a Messiah. And she would never be the same again. You know, when the man Jesus becomes Messiah in our life, you'll never be the same again. The spring is a living, flowing out of her. And you know what happened? I just loves it. She goes back to the city and she has to tell everybody. Suddenly something, this spring starts coming out. And you know what? She's the first evangelist that we have in the New Testament because she brings the whole city to Christ. They all come to hear him and she turns that city upside down. Imagine if she can do that. What can we do today for Jesus if we allow that spring to flow through us, if we allow the fountain to just go through us. Can you imagine? I just pray this morning that as we leave this place, before you go, ask Jesus, you want a spring. You're going to just take from him that living water. We're going to change the world. We can, you know. She changed her environment. You want to change? I don't know about you, but I think America needs to change its environment. You know how it's going to happen when the church gets a hold of that fountain filled with blood and that fountain that flows from Emmanuel's vein and that fountain that comes from Jesus Christ himself. He's the same one that sat at the well that sits here today and wants to minister to us. He has a well for you today. You don't have to be thirsty. You don't have to be dry. He wants to saturate you you with this fountain. And so my prayer for you today, that even as she brought uh, revival, because she had that wonderful word from the Lord to her city, that we can go through this place different than when we come in. I pray that you can be refreshed by his word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll bring revival to our city too, Lord. Let us be like this Samaritan woman, that, Lord, we'll allow you to satiate our souls, that we'll never be the same, but we can share Jesus, the one that loves us, the one that changes us, the one that confronts us. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do. And so, Lord, I pray you bless in our congregation today, 
and let Jesus Christ be praised. Amen.